Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church Lagos. We hope this sermon answers the doubts or questions that you have about the Gospel, its relevance to your life, and the ever-evolving culture around us. Our vision is to see the City of Lagos and beyond renewed by the Gospel, and to make that happen, we need your support. You can do this by rating this podcast, following us, and giving through the Give tab on our website, citychurchlagos.com. Thank you for your generosity. We pray this sermon impacts you positively with the gospel. Bible reading for today is taken from 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verses 11 to 16. After the reading, I would say, this is the word of the Lord. Please respond with, thanks be to God. Now, my son, the Lord be with you, and may you have success and build the house of the Lord your God, as he said you would. May the Lord give you discretion and understanding when he puts you in command over Israel, so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and laws that the Lord gave Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. I have taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze and iron too great to be weighed, and wood and stone. And you may add to them. You have many workers, stone cutters, masons and carpenters, as well as those skilled in every kind of work, in gold and silver, bronze and iron, craftsmen beyond number. Now begin the work, and the Lord be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sandra. And if I thank you as well. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. All right. I hope we're all doing good. Um, and today, this is warmer. The second, first service is always a bit cold. Um, I mean, temperature is cold, and, and the people are a bit cold as well. I'm, I'm, I'm playing. Or maybe I'm not. <laughs> you know, they, they're just waking up and all of that, but you guys, you take all the time in the world, you know? Just, yeah, but anyway. This is my favorite service. This one is my favorite service. And by the way, if you hear me tell the first service people that that one is my favorite service too, my truth moves with the times. Let's just put it that way. But welcome, welcome. If you are joining us for the first time, um, we're so happy to have you. Uh, my name is Femi Oshini. I'll be taking you through this sermon. And you've come at a good time because uh, we just entered a brand new sermon series. Well, we didn't just enter last week. We started one and it's on parenting. And so it's a three-part series. This is the second one today. I think I should, not I think, we should pray before we begin. You sang that we look to Yahweh. We look to Yahweh. The Bible says that they looked on him and their faces were radiant. Their faces were radiant. Lord, we look to you. Our hope is Yahweh. Yahweh. We look to Yahweh, Yahweh, forever. 
So Lord, we look to you because with you are the words of eternal life. Where else shall we go? On this particular subject, the most probably difficult of all subjects when we think about the task that, um, the, the, the enormity of the task. We don't look, oh God, to the hills because our strengths don't really come from there. We don't look, oh God, to human beings. Our strength does not come from there. We look unto Yahweh. And so as we look to you, Lord, we pray that you would give us all that we need in this sermon. We pray, Spirit of the living God, you would really be with us and that you would speak through me, but that you bring conviction, not confusion. We pray that you bring conviction, not condemnation. We pray that you bring correction, O oh Lord, but also we pray that you bring inspiration as well. Father, we pray that at the end of this, that no one will live here the same, that will have been changed positively, that will have become wiser, O oh Lord, but also that would have, um, you will have put in us the zeal to carry out what we have learned. I say this in Jesus' name, amen. Last year, I went to the cemetery twice, and it's a surreal experience as it is normally, and I'd recommend that every one of us occasionally go there. Psalm 39 verse 4 says that, show me the end of my days, show me the end of my days, and so that I can know how fleeting life is. Or teach us to number our days, Psalm 90, so that we can apply our heart in wisdom. And you know, one of the things I observed, very, very obvious as I looked through the tombstones, I said the last time I'd gone to the cemetery was 2016, and so that's why it really gripped me when I went. Because I was looking at the tombstones. And the, one of the things that's most obvious about almost every, well, virtually every tombstone is this. You see two sets of four figures. Two sets of four figures separated from each other. The first on the left is going to tell you the year that that person came into being, the date of birth. The second tells you the year that they departed the day of, or the, the year of death. But that's not what struck my attention. That's not got my attention. I mean, duh, I'm in the cemetery. Of course, it's going to be that. What struck my attention is they are separated by what? They are separated by what? A dash. A dash. And within the context of working through a seminary, all of a sudden, the dash is not just any symbol. The dash represents everything that person was and everything they achieved. The entirety of a person's life summarized in a dash. But you know, when you think about the dash and the quality of the dash, not all dashes are equal. No. If we take the dash to mean the summary of what a person's life is all about and all they've done, then some dashes are fatter than some dashes. Some dashes are longer than some dashes. But what, however you describe it, we're talking about the quality of the dash. And the quality of the dash is directly tied to the amount of investment that is poured into that dash. Are you following me? And so we all have dashes. The good thing is that none of us have the second set of four figures. In fact, in the first service, I said the good thing is that most of us and now quickly change it. But I just said, as I said there, if there's any of you that you already have the set of two figures and you're here, we bind that spirit in the name of Jesus. You can't sit among uh, the living. But we all have our dashes and we are pouring into our dashes. 
But within the context of what we are talking about today on this series, it's not that. I'm thinking about our children or your would-be children. The children that exist now, they also have their dash. And the quality of who they will become in life is directly tied to the kinds of investment, the quality of investment that is being poured into that dash. Question. What are you pouring into your children's dashes now? Or for those who are aspiring parents, how are you thinking about how you would pour into your children's dashes? You know, last week we spoke about being a visionary parent. That is, as parents, we should have a vision of the picture of the kind of child that we want. That's what we were challenged by. But I want to challenge you with something different this week. It's following on from next week. Is this, that I want to challenge you to see your kids, your children, as entrepreneurs. But not just any kind of entrepreneurs. I want you to see them as what I call KECs, Kingdom Entrepreneurial Children. That is, people that would achieve something, everything you are looking for to, for um, to see your child advance in, it is tied to the advancement of the kingdom of God. Kingdom, entrepreneurial children. But as you know, every entrepreneur needs someone. They need an investor. So that's why you will be KIPs. Every KEC needs a KIP. What's a KIP? A kingdom investing parent. I want you to see them as that and then see, therefore, what God has required you to become, to be an investor. A visionary parent, but need, you need to also be an investing parent. You know, part of my dream is, as I look around, I want people to see city church people and say, when they parent, when they have a child, from the time of conception to the time of delivery to the time of dedication, we don't just see our, ch our children as people that we're just going to send to school or do all of those things. No, we see our children as agents that would promote, advance the kingdom of God. And because they would do that, they need to be certain kinds of people. And what is my job? To invest in them to becoming that. Oh, it would be wonderful if we're a church like that and God will make us that kind of church in Jesus' name. So that's what the sermon is. We're calling it the investing parent. Uh, but before that, I need to put out some disclaimers as I did last week. Just put it out there because, again, I think some people are still offended. No matter what I said last week, I said it. I put the disclaimer out. If I bring any critique, I'm not talking to you directly. Maybe you have influenced me in one way, but it wasn't prepared with you in mind. Are we agreed? Are we agreed? No offense. Don't send me any bad emails. Second, when I use examples, positive examples in my life, please, I am not bragging. Right? A lot of these things are still imperfectly done. But I think it's important that if I'm recommending something to you, I want to be able to recommend something that has had, we've seen significant impact in my wife and I's parenting. And I think that's why I'm going to say all these examples. And we're going to have a lot of examples today. Third is that I recognize that we are not, um, um, not all parenting situations are the same, and they're particularly unique ones, especially parents that are single and parents that have children and special needs. And so some of these things that I would say will be for more general audiences, but I'm sure you'll be able to apply certain things there. And in particular, I think next week's sermon will really help you guys too. Now, then the final thing I'll say is that this sermon series and this sermon is not just for parents or aspiring parents, even non-aspiring parents. Why? Because... 
the principles of parenting are the most basic principles of leadership, right? And so even if you are not a parent, but you are in some place of leadership, aspire to some place of leadership, you will see that these things are very practical, okay? So I pray that we'll be very equipped at the end of this sermon. So here are the three points for today. The investor's confidence, so we're looking at the investing parent. The investor's confidence, the investor's investment, I like that one, very creative. And then the investor's reference. Investor's confidence, investor's investment, and investor's reference. So let us begin. The investor's confidence. Now, if you're an investor, if you have been an investor, here's what you know. Any good investor, when they have someone in front of them that is looking for an investment, the investor always needs confidence first before we invest. Right? If you are already saying, mm, should I, should I not, should I, should I not, should I give them $10,000 or not, please don't give them. Because you don't have confidence. If you can't wait to give them, then you know that it is MMM is a fraud. All right? So if you are overconfident, that's bad. You are being scammed. If you are not that confident, then it's probably not going to work. So somewhere in between, but you need confidence. Now, what is the thing that gives any investor confidence more than anything? I'll say this, especially like a business. Is this a plan? I want to be, I can change the world, where's your business plan? I got this product, where's your business plan? Plans always give us confidence. Why? Because somebody who dreams or has a vision, imagine dreaming about, I dreamt about this thing, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll do this, we'll do that. If you never have a plan, you are like somebody who is dreaming, that never wakes up. And who is someone who dreams that never wakes up? Someone that is dead. Right? I'm sorry, not, I mean, you guys get it. Yeah, you never wake up, you are dead. And so is whatever you are dreaming about. The thing will not work. So you need a plan. A plan is the signal that you have woken up from the dream and you are serious about that vision. So David, as we see in verse 11, and we saw last week, David has a plan for, a, a vision for his son. It says, to be a temple builder. Now, my son, the Lord be with you, verse 11, and may you have success and build the house of the Lord. He wanted his son to be a temple builder. Now, he woke up. How do we know he woke up? Chapter 28, verse 11. This is what he says. Then David gave, say it with me, then David gave his son Solomon the plan, the what? For the temple, the portico. Verse 12, look at what he says. He gave him the plan. He woke up. Or our plans. Because David understood something. He understood that if you don't have a plan, the investment will most likely waste. So here's the thing. Get a plan for your children if you have a vision. And when you do get one, no matter how imperfect it is, here's what you must do. You must have a consistent commitment to it. Why do I say you must have a consistent commitment to it? Here's the thing. Because the chances of success are high. If you consistently commit to the plan, the chances of success are high. Why do I say that? Because children need and love routine. Children need and love routine. A plan is basically something that you can routinely do over and over again. A set fixed thing. And I'm saying the chances of success are high if you consistently commit to it. Why? Because children need and love routine. Let me give you an example in our life. My wife and I wanted to have children that were mentally focused. And when we research, a lot of research shows that children who are mentally focused, two things really help with that. They are not, it's not the only two things, but two things really help in that. You know what they were? 
a consistent bedtime and long hours of sleep. A lot of good sleep. Consistent bedtime and a lot of good sleep. It helps them with their brain development and all of those things. So, if that was the case, we developed a vision. Well, we first had vision, then under that vision, there was another sub-vision. So, we said, all right, they must start sleeping. They must always sleep, whatever children we have, sleep at 7.30 p.m. Simple. 7.30 p.m., that's a vision. You need to wake up. It requires a plan. So, we developed a plan. What's the plan? 5.30 p.m., preparations for bath. Because preparations for bath and bathing are not the same thing when it comes to children. Just believe me, the heater takes 15 minutes to be put on. And then this other person, no, this one didn't allow this one. So 5.30 p.m. for bath, 6 p.m. have your bath, 6.30 your dinner, 7 prayers, 7.15 brush your teeth, 7.25 wind down, say goodnight to everybody, 7.30 be in bed. You want me to say it again? 5.30 prepare for bath, 6, have your bath, 6.30, uh, come for uh, have your dinner. Seven o'clock, say your prayers. I will do the prayers. We do the prayers together. Seven fifteen, then you brush your teeth. Seven twenty-five, start winding down. Say good night, everybody, and go. Now, give or take, give or take. Sometimes it goes fifteen minutes above, and all there. You know, it always happens. Funny enough, they never go below, but it always goes above. Right? It's not plus or minus, just plus. But by and large, they rotate around that. And let me tell you, my first son is eleven years old. We've only just changed his bedtime now that he's going to secondary school. We just changed it. We've run that for him 0 to 11. Now, of course, there are exceptions here and there. Like, if we, if they went to, if we went to a holiday and they went, went to someone's house. But very, very few exceptions. And I'll tell you, we probably have a 90% rate. If you don't believe me, ask people that have lived in our house. Yeah, 7.30. In fact, they just, we don't even have to force them. They know. When I'm knocking on my, my door, it's already... Uh, 7 o'clock. I know. Why? Because children need and love routine. Even the prayer itself, we give them routine. The prayers, because again, we wanted our children to be able to know historic Christian prayers. All right? And so, and we started this really early. Really early. I'll speak about that. But so, we start this, this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, blah, blah. These are our prayers. Our Father, who had never blah, blah. We finish down, we go to, now I leave him down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep me for I die before I wake. I pray the Lord my Then we move to, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, blah, blah. Then we move to, surely, blah, blah. We're on four. We're going to the fifth one. Psalm 23 is loading, the KJV version. <laughs> if you meet them, they can say it off head. Why? Because children need and love routine. If you have a plan and you consistently commit to that plan, they will follow through. And I say that start early. For many of us here, because this is the service where you don't have kids, but all of you are aspiring. Many of you are aspiring to have kids. This is the time you have to start thinking about it. Children learn very early. Oh. They learn very early. I started saying our father to my youngest one before he, I think, either he was 11 months or he was 13 months. I would say our father, who had an boy, be looking, who, what are you saying? He knew the, our father before, just, I think, before he was three or two or something. He could say it. It, was, it wasn't like he was saying the right words all the time, but he knew the cadence and the rhythm. Because if you start early and you consistently commit to it, children need and love routine. So start early, but here's what I'll say. Start early, have a vision, stick to it consistently. But here's where the problem is. A lot of parents, and I'm not condemning, 
But I'm just telling you this. A lot of parents don't see success in the things they try to do. You know why? Because they're not consistent. Why are they not consistent? Because there is a... They, dev, they, they don't get the right balance between what I'll call expressiveness and control. The balance of being in control of your house. Parents miss it. Now, with that, let me show you what I mean. I'll give you four parenting styles. These are popular parenting styles, but I want to talk about this within a, in a graph, and I'll describe each of them and show you what we should aim for. So the first one, the first part of the graph, right? So here, we want to talk about expressiveness, the, the ability for your child to express. You allow them to express themselves. So on the right hand, extreme encourages expressiveness. On the left-hand side, curtails expressiveness, okay? Now, the, act, the result of that kind of parental activity can go from being, having your child to be compliant or lose compliance, okay? So, first parenting style, the what we call the neglectful parent. What's the neglectful parent? You, as you can see, they're on the wrong, go back, go back. They're on the wrong side of everything, just bad, all right? They are, they are the ones that are more absent, but still won't control. Here's the result. Now, go to, here's how they describe themselves. I can't always be around when I am earning a living for the children. But it's important they behave when I do have time together with them. Uh, problem with you. This is what happens. You lose the right to correct them for lack of presence or for, because of your absence. Hence, despite your surprise, like I told them to do something, I did not do it. Despite your surprise, they still don't listen to you. Eventually, these children grow up to be hard, rebellious children. Do you know what I mean by hard, rebellious? These are the children that already, by the time you are seven, eight, when you threaten them with something, they just look at you. So what? They don't respect you. They don't love you because you are not there. So when you demand something from them, they're like, who gives you the right? You lose the right for it. And when they grow up, these are really, really hard people. Like, really, really hard people in life. Second, the next one is... The permissive parent. Now, this one, ah, children now. Children, they are children. Just allow them. So let's describe them. What is their own description? Kids need to be expressive. Duh. They will learn the lessons over time. So all these things, they are correcting them. This is no way they learn it. They learn it over time. The risk of being too firm in correcting risks killing their expressiveness. So just leave them. They will learn over time. Here's the problem. When children do the things that they do, it's called immaturity. No child is born mature, except you are Jesus. And even he had to grow, right? No child grows, is mature. And if you think maturity is a good thing, and immaturity is not a really good thing, when you say just allow them to do whatever they want, you are enthroning immaturity in their lives. And by the time you finish with that, it will make them obnoxious to others. Not even just parents, to their friends. When my sisters and I are growing up, we always knew who were what we call spoiled children. We were very legalistic and very, very moralistic, very judgmental. But essentially, if you came to our house and you were jumping on the chairs, eh? we, we don't jump on chairs in our house. You, you understand? You just put your slippers in here. Well, we always call them spoiled. You are spoiled. You are a spoiled brat. I said we were, we were judgmental. But people were obnoxious. You, you, you knew those people. You knew the people you didn't want to invite to your party. They don't learn authority structures. They are kind of authority structures that adulthood is characterized by. If you were in the, sem the seminar yesterday, the uh, treatment was brilliant. 
brilliant and telling us about, you know, structures that eventually these are people that become so fragile. That's why we call them self-rebellious children. These are people that the world was built around them in their homes. The parents made the world built around them. But what the parents didn't tell them is that the world really is not built around them until they enter adulthood. Then they'll start saying adulthood now scam. It's not. <laughs> Soft, rebellious. All right, third one. If because you didn't like that one, then you now become the person that says something like this. My parents beat me black and blue, and I turned out well. As Chidima said, did you really turn out well? I mean, honestly. So we now become authoritarian. We are always present. And we're always present. Tell them, don't do that. Don't do this. Sit down. Don't. Why? Why are you looking like you? No, look to your left. No, look to your right. You know, everything authoritarian because you're trying to gain full control. Micromanagement. And how do you describe themselves? Let's go to the next one. Kids are to be seen, not heard. I never challenged my parents, but behaved well around them. So should mine. Problem. You raise kids who lock up their potential and never fulfill it. They can't engage with authority, only submit. In fact, they'll be subservient to it no matter what the consequences to them. Let me tell you, a lot of people that are in abusive relationships that can't come out of those abusive relationships is because they grew up under authoritarianism. They just get used to it. And so what do you raise? You raise insecure, compliant kids. Yes, they are compliant, but they are very insecure. Every time you move, but I don't know, they, they what's that, bon, what does, bon, what, what's that, they, they what? They tremble, it's not trembling, it's you, you, you are knee-jerk reactions, you are, you are, impo you flinch, thank you, Fl thank you, Daniela. Ah, people that understand English, okay. So, yeah, they just flinch, any small thing. And that's how they, 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 they think about authority. Now, here's the thing, we do want our children to be expressive. That is important because that's where the God-given talent comes out. But they need to be doing that within a controlled environment. And that leads me to the fourth one. What do we have? Authoritative what? Parents. Who are these parents? Right, let's read it. Authoritative parents are kids need to have, a, so kid needs to have expression to learn who God's made them. But within a safe loving and controlled environment that is characterized by discipline. Some people don't think discipline goes with love and, um, and, and safe, right, and controlled, but it is, and I'll get to it very soon. So with this, because you are always present and loving, you earn the right to correct them. They understand authority, and they themselves can become, uh, they, author, uh, they understand authority can be loving. And they learn to do the same. In other words, if they are put in positions of authority, they themselves will know how to exercise loving authority. And what do you raise with this? Confident but respectful kids. Confident to express themselves, but respectful to know that the world isn't built around them. How many of us want those kinds of kids? That's why you have to be authoritative. How can I be authoritative? Very simple. Two words, although there's and inside, before somebody tells me that, no, that's three. And is not counted. Two words, what are they? Bark and bite. Bark and bite. How can I be an authoritative parent? Bark and bite. How can you be an authoritative parent? Very important. Bark and bite. You see, what do I mean by barking and biting? I mean, you need to empower your backing because backing is what you do most of the time. The only way you empower your backing is by biting a few times. I don't know if you've ever met, I, don't, I know some of you have dog trauma. 
I'm not, I don't want to trigger you, so I'm sorry if you are doing But get ready. I'm not talking about those Rottweilers. If you see a Rottweiler and it's loose, if I say run, it will catch you, and it will catch you from the back. If I say stand, just pray. All right, pray, just pray. There's nothing you can do. But I want to talk about, you know those small, useless chihuahua dogs? Those, those, what do they do more than anything? Do you know what Rottweilers don't just do? They don't just bark. When they bark, they, you know you're in trouble. Those useless ones, what do they do? And when we look at them and we see them, what do we do? Back. Uh, you, run, you run for, uh, <laughs> she runs, yeah. Uh, sorry, we just pause. Can four of you around her, lay hands on her? We need to help. Ah, small thing like that. What do we do? Let me tell you what I do when I see them. When they're back at me, do you know what I do? I back back. And the thing gets on Why am I backing? If I say Rottweiler backing, I don't back back. Why am I backing? Because I know they cannot bite. So when they bark at me, I bark back at them. If you keep barking at your children, telling them, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, and you never ever bite, you know what they do? They bark back at you. Eventually, to do your worst, you don't really have anything. Go and stay at the naughty corner. They don't go. You go and put them there. Stay there, okay? Stay there, okay? They come back. Stay there, okay? Stay there. After a while, I say, I tried. You didn't try. Bite a few times. This is what you, you, you use to establish authority. Not authoritarianism. Authoritarianism, what authoritarianism does is that its default mode is always to bite. And so it doesn't use authority. Well, it uses authority to bring about fear. What authoritative parenting does is that it uses its authority to build the person up. And knowing that there are issues in the person's life. And so you have to be able to say... I'm going to prevent you from doing this thing. And I love you so much that I will hurt you sometimes. I will not hurt you, but I will inflict some pain on you. Um, my child told me, and you have to do this early. In fact, let me say this. A lot of people, they miss it. I see some eight-year-old, nine-year-old misbehaving. The reason why they misbehave and they're barking at their parents is because they missed it when they were two. Most people miss it between two. Two is the same, before two. That's why they say terrible twos, tantrums. You can stop your children from having ter being terrible twos. I'm telling you. I did it with one of them. When my first was, it was just over one. Just over one. I think whether I sent him, oh yeah, it's time for bed. No, it wasn't time for bed. It was just, go to the room. I think it was naughty. And I said, Dad, you are going to the room. He didn't like going to the room because we used to lock him and stay there, cry, cry, cry. And the good thing was the, 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 um, it was well muffled, so we didn't used to have to hear. And the guy slept. He didn't kill him. You've seen him all walking around here. <laughs> now, so one particular day, I think, I don't know who spoke to him. Something spoke to him. He stood in front. He said, he's not going. I said, oh, God, go. He said, he's not going. Then he went on the floor. I mean, I wanted to pass to carry him. He said, I won't even pass. <laughs> so I first went to look. I looked at the mirror. I'm like, ah, he's made that six foot four and a half. Yeah, I won't pass. I told my wife. Please just look aside. I carried him because only one person can carry somebody. I carried him, took him inside the room. What I did to him is not important. What is important <laughs> is the result. Every other time I told him to go inside, even till now, he always goes. You have to back and bite. Are you following me? Somebody will say, eh, you know, because you know the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. Now, some smart 
uh, wisecracker will come and tell me, yeah, you know, the rod is actually metaphoric for discipline. Uncle, auntie, I know. But it's not only just that. It's not to say, I, 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 the rod, I talk to my children. I talk to my children. They, they say there's an evil inside the heart of the child. Right? It's only the, that will drive it out. You say you talk, talk. That will be a dialogue. Ah, almost this dialogue thing is nice. And I can still do what I want. Now, let me tell you what talking to your child is. It is within the ambit of discipline, but there's a word for it. It is called a reprimand. Don't put it up here, Dad. You ask. It's called a reprimand. Take it back. Thank you. It's called a what? Reprimand. Now, if you say the rod is a word for reprimand, I would say no, because Proverbs 29 separates them. Listen to what Proverbs 29 says. It says, a rod and a reprimand. They are two different things. A rod and a reprimand will what? It will impart wisdom. But it says that a child left undisciplined would disgrace his mother. How many of you have seen disgraced mothers? They were disgraced inside the house, but they lost all shame before the child not disgraced them outside. I love what Pastor Mildred Okonkwo said. He said, families, there's an irony with families. He said, some of you, you are married, you get married, and you get frustrated with your spouse. The spouse leaves boxers, there. It's like, what kind of grown man would just be leaving boxers on the floor? Can't you take it, take it, take it, you nag him. Uh, she leaves, she leaves, um, she presses the toothpaste, she doesn't know how to use, uh, she closes the toilet seat, da, 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 da. so both of you are just trying to get the person to change. But with the child, it's like, eh, you know children, now you know children, you know children. What you are doing is that you are trying to change your spouse and you are trying to Accept your child. And what she says is that, listen, this is your husband or your wife that is 36 years. They spent 28 years with the mom. The mom did not successfully change them in this. It is now you, when six, in 36 years, that you think you will change them. And she said, this is the irony. We are meant to accept our spouse and change our children. But what we are trying to do is that we are trying to change our spouse whilst accepting our children. There is a problem there. Wake up. Now, again, what I am not saying is to be an authoritarian parent. You will lose it. But I am saying that God requires us to have a level of control. Why? Because the plan can only be effected when there is a level of control. Am I speaking to somebody? My parents beat me. They beat me. They beat me. Do you know how many times they beat me in my, in my, in my life? I can't count how many times. I can't count... It's not up to, uh, the number of this, uh, the number of fingers on my hand do not amount to the number of times my dad beats me. He probably beat me like two or three times in my entire life. But I feared that back home. My mom beat me as well. Again, not up to five times. But I feared the back because they had a bite. Amen. You require woof, woof, woof. You know, or they say that when you go to, don't say, I'm drowning, I'm drowning, I'm drowning in a, in, a, in a pool. Because one day, if you are not drowning, one day you'll be drowning. And what will happen? Nobody will answer. Now, that takes me to my second point. If we have, if we have the control of our house, of our children, control. I'm not talking about micro. I keep trying to qualify it now. Before somebody was going around saying something I didn't say. If we have the right control, loving control, where they're able to express themselves. If we do that, then what happens is... We, are, we can be more confident that any investment that we make in them most likely will yield its return. So now we are ready to know how to invest. How do we invest? That's the uh, uh, second, um, second point, the investor's investment. Now, 
there are three ways you can invest. And I'll spend a little bit of time here. And I'm going to use the categories that we had last week. One, the technical. Two, the socio-emotional. And three, the spiritual. Did you remember or you've already forgotten? You have forgotten. All right. But I've reminded you. So the technical, the socio-emotional, and the spiritual. These are different places we invest in a child. So technical. First of all, if you look at verse 14, it says that David says, I have taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord. A hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze. And what are we getting here? David has a vision for the child. But he doesn't just have the vision for a child. He is providing everything technically that that child would need to be able to develop that thing, the, the temple. Are you following? Therefore, we are also required to provide everything within our capacity, right, that will enable our children to have the skills that will enable them to accomplish what it is that we see them technically. So, for instance, I would say invest in their schooling, invest in their schooling, invest in their schooling. Please, never ever, if you run budgets as you should with your personal finances, never put children's school fees under expense line. It's not an expense. It's an investment. Are you following me? And so if you do that, all of a sudden you can know what you have to sacrifice. I said in the first service, my parents could have bought a house that we lived in very, very long. But because of the kind of education we wanted to give myself and my sisters, they did not buy their house until 18 years into marriage. Whilst all their friends were buying houses and taking their children to schools that um, were less than the ones we were going to, they didn't see it as a right investment. According to what you can afford, give your children the best education you can. But I want to say a little bit more beyond that, beyond that formal education. I want to talk a little bit about the things that the schools cannot give you. The schools, the things the schools can't give that you need to give your children. And particularly what I mean by that is shielding them from particular bad habits, but also providing them with specific life skills. Shielding them from particular bad habits and providing them with specific life skills. And I want to tackle a particular thing here. Screen time and video games. Screen time and video games. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh, oh. Uh -huh. Screen time. I'm not going to go into how much addiction is built into the screen time and all of those things. But just to say this, you guys, we, we have not yet fully overcome how to get off our screens. How do you think these children that can't even read all the research and everything, the children are just going with these things. It is, it is affecting, it's, more, it's an epidemic. And I've, I've said this in other sermons, how people have seen the rise of depression in children, the rapid rise of depression in children, and it has correlated with the entry of the smartphone into the world. It is crazy how much they correlate with one another. But let's put that aside. So knowing all of this, in our house, we also have some other rules. During term time in school, children don't watch uh, uh, TV between Monday from Saturday, from Sunday afternoon to Friday afternoon, no TV. None. It's there. It's black. They see it like the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They cannot touch it. They can't. Second, when they do watch on, oh, they can watch, so they start watching Friday, Saturday. So now, by the way, I just said the, the bedtime, it doesn't extend. It's, it's Monday to Friday that is 7.30. So weekends, we are, a bit, we are generous with them. We, it's 8 p.m. on weekends. <laughs> so, so now, on weekends, 
On weekends, and it's true, it's just true. On weekends, they're able, they're allowed to watch TV, but they can't start watching TV until, it's either 12 or 2. 12 or 2. And they must finish by 6 o'clock because, you know, that whole, uh -huh, that whole, because they can go to bed at 8. So now, it's not 5.30, we start everything by 6 o'clock. So 6. And listen, at this point now, they don't even see it as missing anything. Like, oh, this program, they, they don't even know the programs between 11, they just don't know. And what you don't know cannot what? Uh -huh. But let me tell you about video games too. Um, with video games, um, you know the thing about video games, and particularly for boys, here's the good thing about it. It gives boys, a, um, well, not just boys, girls and boys, but boys play video games more. It gives them a sense, it scratches an itch in boys, which is the accomplishment itch. They want to feel like they've accomplished something. Here's the problem with video games. It gives a false sense of accomplishment within a digital world. It's not that they don't accomplish something. It's not that they don't go up a leader table, all of those things. But the hunger to accomplish something is far deeper than that. That's why after they've passed that round, after they pass that round, eventually it wins. The dopamine effect that has, it has on them, it goes down. And that's when it now gives rise to addiction. So what you want to do is to push them to achieve more tactile things. So I was thinking about that because their video game also is very restricted. The, the PS4 is there. They don't, once it's term time, no video games. Not on weekends, no nothing. They don't have, they cannot play PS4. So it's only um, during the, um, the holidays. And holidays also, you can't start playing. So we put the it's screen time. So it's not video games you can start playing at uh, 9 a.m. No, screen time. That is video games, TV, all of that is all that 12 to whatever. So, but I saw them playing video game, playing video game. I didn't like it. It wasn't, they weren't breaking any rules. I'm like, why are you just playing, playing, playing? I called them. I remember my own childhood. I said, ah, my parents used to give me something. It was called trial. It was a, conf it was a construction kind of thing. And I'm like, when they do that, they would achieve more. And I remember they have all these Legos. So I called them. I spoke to them about accomplishment, blah, blah, blah. They were doing that. I gave them the Lego. Next thing I hear is, ah, we are getting close, daddy. But... Uh, we can't find this piece. And then we can't find this piece. It's because you people didn't keep it well. Okay, take this other Lego. They started doing that. They are next day, ah, daddy, we can't find this piece again. The second one in particular, because he gave up easily. He now sent me one episode. Daddy, honestly, 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 we can't find it, honestly. I said, ah, I know what is going on here. He wants to play game. And I said, now, this is the third one. All right? Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. This is the third one. I said, you better finish this one. And I said, see, Nigeria has a lot of bridges where all the parts are not there and we still ply it. This thing, you must construct it. Eventually, what was the result? This is, I think, close to a thousand pieces, this boat, right? The second, now, the, 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 no, go back. The 11 year old mostly did this one, the, the seven year old tapped out. So by the time I was gushing over the 11 year old, this, the 11-year-old, after he did this, he went to go to, he went back to one of those ones that was, some of the things were missing. Then the 7-year-old now saw, ah, Omo, no. He too now joined in that, the next one. And they also constructed that. A lot of, uh, hundreds of pieces as well. And as I speak, even though they are starting school next, they've already gone to start trying to do the third one. What happened to video game? They didn't bring it up. Because now these decorate my office. They are actual accomplishments. 
that they can be proud of. And I even told them, I said, I'm going to use it for my sermon. They are much more happy than I beat my brother in FIFA. You beat him today, he beat you yesterday. All of those things. Give them something tactile to do. I am not saying, I'm not against video games. After that, they played. But I'm saying, give them good sense of accomplishment. Remove from them the bad habits. Invest in trying to make them do actual things. Second, the social emotional. Let's start with emotional. I want you to invest in something, a word that was coined by the Lebanese-American uh, author, some of you know him, Nassim Nicholas Taleb. He called the word being anti-fragile. What's, 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 what's the thinking behind anti-fragility? That there are some systems that are fragile. What does that mean? It means that once you put them under pressure, eventually they break. So take a glass cup, wine cup, wine glass, throw it on the floor, what happens? Force, it breaks. Nothing good comes out of it. There are some systems that are neutral, though. To so take a plastic cup, put it on the ground, hit it with force, what happens? Nothing. So it doesn't break, however, nothing good also comes out of it. But there are some systems that require pressure for them to become stronger. Let me give you some examples. Your bones, if your bones are not being used over and over again, they'll become brittle and eventually they'll break under pressure. Another one that we all, a lot of us know, our immune system. I remember the first time we took our first uh, child into nursery. And for the first three weeks, we always had to go and pick. We're like, we're spending a lot of money not to be having this child. And there in the UK, once, they, once there's an infection, they say you can't bring it back for three days. Say, so wait, 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 we're spending all this money. And they said it's the immune system. In other words, because he has been in the house and we protected him from germs, the worst way to protect people from germs is to protect them from germs. You expose the immune system to those germs so that your antibodies can grow and they can know how to fight it. Fragile system, anti-fragile systems need pressure for them to become stronger. Notice the two examples I give, and I can give more, but the two examples I give, where they come from? From human beings. Why? Because human beings, the entirety of a human system is what? Anti-fragile. That's why we have the saying, it says, what, you, what can't kill you will make you what? Stronger. So here's the problem. If we overcoddle our children, if we make life easy for them, eventually the world that is out there, as Rocky said in Rocky 6, or is it Rocky 5? No, Rocky 6. Rocky 5 was nonsense. Rocky 6, when I was talking to his son and he was saying, life will, this one you are complaining, complaining, you are spoiled. He said, life will beat you down, beat you down. But the most important thing is not how many times you fall. It is whether you keep, rise up and you keep going, even though life is beating at you. I remember one of our mates, you know, the thing about nannies sometimes is that the nannies become overattached to the children. So this one, I think it was our second child because, you know, it was, our second child was slightly spot a little bit. But there was this one, she, at the age of two and a half, three years old, wants to go up the stairs. I mean, you try, hey, 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 and she would not come. I said, one day I said, come, this woman, this child will not walk. You will not, you, no, put him down. Put him down. The boy is walking. You have seen him. <laughs> if you overcoddle your children, now I'm giving you physical things, but if you overcoddle them emotionally, you will be creating fragile systems so that when they go into the workplace, every time they get a small reprimand. Now, not the road, though. Reprimand. They start crying. They start blaming people. They start saying this person, this, this person. Have you ever met anybody who keeps changing their workplace? Because every workplace, the last eight places they've been to is very toxic. Auntie, if you've gone to eight places where 
they are, they, all of them are toxic. Maybe toxicity is inside you. But they're anti-fragile. Uh, they're fragile. And we are meant to create anti-fragile children. So what do you have to do to create fragile, uh, anti-fragile children? You know what you do? Invest in inspiration and motivation. And you say, ah, motivation speaker. Yes. Be your children's motivation speaker. Their inspiration. Tell them things. Show them how. Let me tell you. This will sound cheesy. Shai, they work for me. But it sounds cheesy because it worked for David. It worked for me. Look at what David said in verse 13. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. So I have a saying with my boys. It then goes something like this. We are Oshunuins. We don't say we can't because it's hard. We say it's hard, but we can. We are Oshunuins. You can't apply it to your own. And don't steal it. If any of you say it's trademarked. But tell them, we are Oshunuins. We don't say we can't because it's hard. We say it's hard, but we can't. Now, you notice, I haven't said, say to it, it's not hard. It's hard. You're crazy. It's hard. That's over positivity, positivism. You acknowledge the truth for what it is, but then you acknowledge what is inside of you to be able to overcome it. But I added one more thing. I tied it to an identity. So that where every other person, where the Agus and the Aderemis and the Oshinubis and the, where they are just saying that it is easy and they fall. Oh, well, the Aderemis are there. It was fictitious. Sorry, nothing. I was nothing. But what I'm trying to tell them is that there is a unique identity in you. You are not Shuni. We don't give up. Because my younger one, when he was coming, every month you say, Daddy, I can't. I can't. So we don't say I can't in this home. We don't say I can't. What was I trying to do? I was trying to say, no, life is hard, but you have what is in you to be anti-fragile. It will make you stronger. And I don't just do this myself, the investing of, emotion, of um, uh, inspiration and motivation. I refer them to others. Believe it or not, I give my children John Maxwell videos to listen to and to summarize. I'm not joking. Let me give you the last one I sent them. This is what my younger one said. This was the summary. Uh, oh, no, let me give you the older one first. The older one said something like this. After I watched it, uh, where are you? 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 Okay. So this was his own summary. He says, it's quicker, faster, he's 11. It's quicker, faster, and easier downhill than it is uphill. Most of the important things you need to do is uphill. The biggest leading problem is yourself without self-discipline. And to go uphill is impossible without self-discipline. Nobody can carry you uphill. Nobody can coach you uphill. Nobody can push you uphill. Nobody can take you uphill. Only yourself. And you need self-discipline for that. That's it. Period. No free rides. No accidental achievement. Just put in the hard work. And guess what you need to be, to be able to have success on that? Self-discipline. My younger one said, he's seven, so he said, Uh, yeah, he said, I learned about self-discipline. You should climb uphill instead of downhill because uphill is easier and downhill is harder. I'm like, no, that is the reverse. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the reverse. But he's seven. And he's already learning something. He says, you have to go uphill, come downhill. By the time he's nine, what do you think he'll be saying? And my, young, my older one, uh, what I didn't tell you is that all the 
he put, his punctuation is terrible. Just terrible. But the point is, he's 11. What do you think can happen with those kinds of children if you make your children like that? If you stop saying, all I just want to keep showing them. If your child is still watching Teletubbies at five or six, there's a problem. I don't know if you know what Teletubbies are. That was the thing that was written in our own time. Or if you're there, there, Peppa Pig. I love Peppa Pig. I, see, I believe Peppa Pig is for adults, not children. I watched, it was, I was watching, it was me really watching Peppa Pig. It wasn't, it was. But you can't keep allowing them to watch all of those things. Show them some things. My children love football. We discuss football a lot. History of football, all of those things. But they need to see John Maxwell. They need to see Uncle Dami preach. You think children cannot watch sermons? To my amazement and embarrassment, my children started watching the sermons before I recommended them. Create children that are different from their generation. That's just the emotional side. On the social side, let me just run through a number of things that we do. Because children was showing us yesterday that sometimes children don't know how to read the room. Let me help you with that. Some of the things we do with our children, first of all, you know how, uh, okay, no, they are not, it's not your time. Oh, they told you, you are looking there. Okay, just rest too. I'm not done. This is second service. All right. Uh, we need to help. Maybe your, your own children, are they okay? Oh, they are coming. This guy, Roshi, telling me about time. Anyway. So, social stuff. For instance, we tell them, straight up, straight up, oh, you know how, I don't know what your parents did it to you, but my parents did it to me, and I've just, I'm, I've, I'm, I've become my father and my mother. I don't know how. You know, come, in the morning, I'm coming downstairs, I see them, blah, blah, then Timmy says something like, ah, daddy, do you remember, what were discussed? Eh? I say, have you seen me this morning? And immediately he says, good morning, daddy. Then some of that time, maybe it's in the afternoon, I say, Timmy, because, you know, maybe I'm, I'm in front of the TV, and you know how, you know, far the remote control is. The remote control. Let me just tell you, if you invest in your children now, you can start harvesting now. Don't harvest all the way there. You can harvest now. Because sometimes, I'm serious, I'm sitting down here. The control is where Chidima is here. I, I can't get up. It's hard. So I call them all the way from the second floor, Timmy! It's, it's, it's called harvesting. That school fees is a lot. <laughs> Timmy! And then Timmy will say, yes! Eh? <laughs> yes what? What's what, yes? So I say, yes what? And what I'm trying to tell him, they like, yes what? You see, the person that you're saying yes to, do you know what it takes to produce you? No, do you know, what, do you know the kind of hard work? It, sorry, so just leave that. Yeah, yeah, just, just allow that to pass by, all right? The point is, oh, God, do you know how long I was here before you? You don't yes. You don't yes. You yes who? Daddy. And we said that to also to, for them to, we adults. Now, they're not perfect. I'm sure my children have said hi to some of you here. So don't go and say, I remember that time you said hi. But I'm saying they're learning principle. Why? I remember the family shared the story with me. I'm paraphrasing, I may not get all the details right. But he said that there was a very wealthy man, he may have been Shubham Balogu, wanted to sell one of his companies, and he put it out there. And there were a number of bids, and there were these people that really, really, the people with the highest bid, they came, showed him, and they, they came with, you know, all of the PowerPoint, everything, they came with the data. You know, they showed him all the different projections, blah, 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 blah. All right, no problem. They said there was one other guy. As he entered, he just went, ah, daddy, he just started talking, all the things. He said, ah, ah. Where did you come from? You, you have training. You have training. How much was the bid? His bid was probably 20% lower than the other one. He gave it to that one. All because he said, Daddy, I don't want my children to miss a contract because they don't know, they'll go and say hi to somebody. Are you following what I'm saying? Social 
intelligence is important. You may think that you are just trying to create them modern, to be modern. They, are, they, they don't live in the modern world. They live in this world. So social cues make them intelligent. One more thing. Recently, one of them, a friend of his said something to him. And I think that one said it in person. When the mom came, well, the mom came to our house. The friend wasn't there. He had gone home. It was maybe the next day. My child now says something to the mom about what was said. But that thing was negative. He put the mom in a negative light. And my child was just talking. He didn't even know. So me, I was not like, eh, but you know that, whatever. The guy said, no, 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 it's not like that. He really said, boy, no. He didn't get, so eventually she left. And I had to sit him down. I said, now let's talk about what happened. I said, this thing you just said now, you've compared what they have with what you have. And you've shown that their own is negative. How do you think the mom will feel? Especially that it was her child that said it. Now froze. Always told You weren't thinking about that, were you? Oh, good. Second, I said, do you not think she will go and tell her son? Now your friend is now going to realize that you cannot keep things in confidence. I said, this thing, if you don't watch it, it will ruin this relationship, but it will ruin a lot of relationships. There's something called self-restraint. It's not everything you are told that you see. I'm saying, guys, our children are not too young to be having these conversations. Now, this is me being an authoritative parent. I did not punish him. I did not send him. I'm having a conversation, a wider conversation. For some of us who would say something like, hey, my child is already eight. I missed it at two. You have to invest in having difficult conversations with them. That's how you start to remedy it. Are you following? Final thing I'll just say on this, the spiritual side. The spiritual... I've spoken last week about being an exemplary parent, bringing them, don't announce my saying, kingdom prayer day. You don't now be sitting watching TV. Your children know on that day that you are watching TV. And what about prayers? They are going to see what prayers are in your own light. The value of prayers. But let me talk about what you do at home. Some of the things we've done. We invest in the word. Notice what he says here. He says in verse 13, then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and the laws that the Lord gave Moses for Israel. We invest in the world. When I say invest, let me put it this way. The amount of materials that we buy for our children, if I sold it or we never bought them, we'll, my wife and I will have taken one or two extra holidays. I'm not joking. Costs a lot of money. Because I used to wonder sometimes, okay, I, normally I said I, I wake up 4.30, I'll do my devotions, blah, 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 5.30, I'm off to the gym. And because my children sleep early, by 5 o'clock they start waking up. I weren't really doing anything. And I'm like, ah, what's going on? Then we now enter the car, and then we, they now start talking about football, 7 a.m. You know, I was engaging, engaging. I want to be the, pre, the parent that is interesting. But at some point, I said, this is ridiculous. And I just remembered, no, these children should be able to do their stuff. I bought 365 devotional, whatever. At this point, I don't even care the theology behind it. It's just 365. God will help us cancel all the problems. And now, my children, it's discipline. Even when they are going to school, especially when they are going to school, five o'clock, five o'clock, five fifteen. When I'm going to the gym, I see them. They are doing their devotions, and you say, "How do you know?" It's when you came out. How do you know that they're really doing that? Let me tell you how our conversation always starts when I enter into the car. Seven o'clock. Good morning, Daddy. Timmy immediately jumps in. Daddy, this is what I learned in my devotion. Now again, please, 
I am not, I said, I'm not bragging. I'm trying to tell you guys it is possible if you invest in a consistent plan. But it takes time for me to search on Amazon for this particular devotional. But don't come and meet me and say, we devotional are using. Go and do the work. All right? But I'm saying, invest, invest. You will see the fruit of it. Amen. The same thing we do. Every Sunday, Saturday. You know what our children do? Saturday. First of all, they'll come and meet me, we'll pray. But they know they can't just come and pray Saturday evening or like that. The first thing you must do, what are you praying for about church? And at one point, Timmy was always doing city kids, city kids. I said, Oga, it's not just only city kids. Yesterday, I asked him, what are you praying about? He said, ah, that I was thinking. He said, you know, Auntie Moji, that's head of city kids. Auntie Moji just gave birth, hallelujah. She gave birth to her child on Friday. He said, Auntie Moji just gave birth, and so she's not going to be around. And... That means, I don't want city kids to Bafuka. He didn't use Bafuka, but uh, I can't remember what he said. All right? He said, I don't want it to. I'm going to pray that all the teachers and all the whatever, they do very well so that city kids will go well. And I said, Abonko Tolmo is on leave too. Eh, there's something called paternity leave. I explained what paternity leave is to them. And maternity leave. And I said, ah, we need to pray because Tolmo is the one that handles all those things there. I did not start. I didn't tell him anything. That was what the seven-year-old did. He could not have done that when he was five. A plan consistent, authoritative. You must come and you must say something that you are going to pray about. If you do that, guys, I'm telling you, your children will surprise you. And I pray your unborn children and the children you have now, they will surprise you. Put the work in. And after they do that, you know what they do next? They go to their mom to come and give offering to church. Because it's a cashless society and we've, we've thought about how much, how can we do our children because my wife and I don't hold cash. So literally, because they both have accounts that we deposit in every month, something I learned from my parents, we deposit something every month as you're building stuff for them. It's from that account every week. Now, Timmy, because he had been going around, he had missed some things, he owed for eight weeks. So yesterday, <laughs> yesterday, no, Tofumi's zone is different. Tofumi was seven weeks. It's just that Timmy didn't sleep in our house the week before. So Tofumi was now looking down on him. He did seven weeks, Timmy, eight weeks. But they paid everything. Why? I'm trying to, it's not when you are now 32. You know, start saying, is tithing and offering really something that the Bible teaches? <laughs> and you start trying to engage all of those things. No. Build it in them. Now they are proud to do that. Do you know that they, 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 they said they are going for a party? The present for their children, they buy from their account. My wife and I say, ah, now wow. Well, he's your friend now. Buy from your account. Guys, I'm saying this, and I'm really serious about this. If you invest spiritually in your children, you'll see the reward. The final thing I should say on this, and you see it here. David said, now my son, verse 11, the Lord be with you. May you have success. He says, verse 12, may the Lord give you discretion and understanding. And then in verse 16, he says, now begin the work, and the Lord will be with you. You know what he's doing? He's praying. But it's not just any kind of prayer. He's not praying with him. He's not even praying for him. He's praying over him. You see, my parents are not perfect, but I thought they did a good job. But it, despite the good job that they did, just truly still went far into the world. I went far. What pulled me back? When their authority could not bring me back again, there was something they were investing in. They prayed every single day. They prayed for us, but when I, anytime birthdays used to come, they'll call, and my dad would go, oh, you'll be this, you'll be that, you'll be this, you'll be that. At some point, it used to be boring, boring. I'm a parent now. 
now self, I can't even kneel down to here because I know the value of it. And this is one part I struggled and I didn't start off very well. But I'm telling you guys, have the habit of blessing your children. I'm speaking particularly to the would-be fathers. Don't get into this sort of immature thing about what's the effect, how does it work. But guys, don't become too smart that you become foolish. Put your hand upon your children. Bless them. My wife came up with a suggestion when my son was turning 10. She said, we can't just do this thing ordinarily. So what we did, we asked for the two grandfathers to come. And in the evening, they put a patriarchal blessing upon our son. Guys, invest in your children spiritually. You will see the result. Amen. So let me end with my final point. Sorry for taking too much time. But why... Somebody may ask, how do I know that this thing will work? How do I know it's universal and it's not just for you and your home? All this Lego and all this whatever. Let me say this. I am not asking you to do exactly what we've done. One size doesn't fit all. I am not saying that your children must go to bed. Your children don't have to go to bed at 7.30. Maybe they should go at 7.15. All right? I'm not saying your children must do Lego. I'm not saying all of that. Here's what I am saying you must do. You must do this. You must consistently invest in your children's... Uh, you must consistently invest in your children within a plan you consistently execute underpinned by different levels of authoritative parenting if you are to see results. Let me say it again. You must consistently invest in your kid within a certain plan or some plans that you consistently execute underpinned by different levels of authoritative parenting if you are to see results. Why do I know you will see results? It's not just because of the many imperfect examples that are given in our own lives. It's not even because of the enormous amount of research that backs up what I'm saying. It's because of this. The God in whose image we are formed is the original investing parent. God's most significant work in the world was an, as an investing parent. What's his most significant work in the world? It's really that God is going to save the world. So let me put it in starker terms. God's salvation of the world is his ROPI in his son, Jesus. What's ROPI? Rupi. What's Rupi? Let me tell you. IOPI, return on parenting investment. God's salvation of the world is essentially his return on his parenting investment in his son, Jesus. Or maybe I can put it in another way and listen to this very carefully. With a divine parenting plan in place, God invested in his son so that he can invest his son. With a divine parenting plan in place, God invested in his son so that he could invest his son. What do I mean? Jesus' life was fully planned. His parenting life was planned from the time he was born up until the time he was ready for his ministry. It was fully planned. It was planned by prophecy. It was planned by scripture. And it was planned by tradition. I'll take you through all three. Planned by prophecy. His birth, the manner of his birth, and the place of his birth by prophecy. How do we know? 600 plus years before, to 700 years, Isaiah said this. He said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to his son, and he shall be called Emmanuel. The way he was going to be birthed 
was already planned. But also the place of his birth, Micah 5 verse 2. And he says, but you Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. This birth was already planned by prophecy. But what about the initial part of his parenting? But that was planned for by scripture. Because it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 22, it says, when the time, whenever you see something about the time, that is fitted with a plan. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses. In other words, there was something required through scripture that every child should go through that were Jewish children. So it doesn't have to be something specific for the child, but something that was already there in scripture. It says, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Another one was that he went through the festivals. It says in verse 41 of chapter 2, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. But what about as Jesus was growing? Well, there were certain traditional things that were being done there. God even built the parenting of his son into the traditions of what was going on in his time. First of all, his theological acumen was built by this. He says, go to Luke chapter 2. After three days, they found him in the temple courts. If you wanted to learn theology, what were you, where were you going to be? In the temple courts. He sat among the teachers, listening to them, asking them, questions. Can you imagine in the temple then they even had ego time. The ego time that a lot of you are skipping. Let's give that QA is ego time, but you've never heard about it. But that was how. And so it was on account of this, he also built up his spiritual stature. They said because Jesus grew in favor with God, spiritual stature, but he also built his social capital and with men. And also in this parenting of tradition, that's how he knew, he got his vocational skills. In Mark 6 verse 3, they said, isn't he the carpenter? Why was he the carpenter? Because his father, Joseph, was a carpenter. And in those days, by tradition, you did what your father did. I am trying to say, guys, that Jesus' parenting was not something that was like, ah, this one works, this one doesn't work. No, it was fully planned such that when the time came for him to leave his parents and now come into the world, God was so pleased with his preparation. He was so pleased with his preparation. He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And because he was so pleased with his preparation, he had so much confidence that he said, I am going to make the biggest investment in you yet. What was that biggest investment? It says that at the part of the time of the baptism, after he came out of the waters, the biggest investment came as a dove upon Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 3 verse 34, he says that the one who speaks the words of God, he gives him his spirit without limits. Get that. So all this while, God has invested in Jesus. Why? Because now he's investing Jesus into the world. So he goes around healing people. He goes around correcting people's teaching. He goes around forgiving people. He goes around correcting people's ethics. Why? God was investing in the world. But that was not the only way he was investing in the world. He was going to do something greater. That's why John 3.16 says, it's not that God so loved the world that he gave to Jesus, but God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. And John 12 now tells us, in Jesus' own words, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, what does it, what would it do? It will produce more seeds. See that? God invested in Jesus. 
Then God now invested Jesus. And because Jesus died, he is now producing what? More. Return on parenting investment. How do I know that? Because now when we believe in Jesus, he pours his spirit in us. The same way God invested in Jesus, he starts to invest in you. Why is he investing in you? He's investing in you so that he can what? Invest you. And when he invests you, the first people he's investing you to is who? Your children. You don't believe me? We'll finish with this. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Watch this. Peter replied when he preached the gospel, after the spirit had come on them, he preached the gospel to people who are in the world. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is, they will receive the investment of God in them. And when God has invested in them, notice what he says. This promise. Let's read it together. This promise is for you and your children. For you and your children. Guys, what am I saying? It's not enough to be a visionary parent. You need to be an investing parent. And an investing parent starts the confidence with a plan. Various plans. That you're consistently committed to, to invest in by being an authoritative parent. Why do we do this? Because God wants to invest you in the world. And the first people in the world that God will likely want to invest you to are the children he's giving you to. If you say, I can't do it on my own, guess what? You are never meant to do it on your own. This promise of receiving the Spirit is for you and your children. If God's Spirit is in you, then you can. Listen, whenever you face a hard issue with your children and you want to give up, say, I am God's child. I don't say it's hard. I don't say I can't because it's hard. I say it's hard, but I can. Let's rise to our feet and pray. Thanks for listening. If you found this sermon helpful, we hope you join us in the mission of renewing Lagos with the gospel by sharing it, rating this podcast and following us. These actions help us reach more people with the gospel. You can also connect with us on various social media platforms via the handle at City Church Lagos. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.